one custom car care. All right. Good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I haven't got real technical in a while. Is that what we're doing today? A little bit. I had okay. some interesting ones and I wanted to kind of throw them at you to see, you know, because I think a lot of people think that, uh, you know, being a mechanic, you just change some parts. You got this magic, you know, eight ball scan tool that... You know, you shake it up and it tells you what's wrong with the car. <laughs> a little sarcasm there in case nobody picked that up. I wish it were that easy, or I wish it was as easy as some of those infomercials that say, you know, plug this magic eight ball into your data link connector underneath the, you know, kind of where your knees area would be in the vehicle on the driver's side, and they'll tell you what's wrong with the car. Uh, it just drives me batty when I see those, um, you know, infomercials or whatever it is that puts that information out there. Or, and I haven't picked on our big box parts stores in a while, but there's uh, one that I actually think a lot of. They're a great company. But I noticed on all of their marquees out there, it said free check engine light diagnostics. I think they even used the diagnostic term. Maybe they use testing, whatever. The ability to determine what is wrong with a car sheerly by scanning the codes I won't say that it doesn't have some validity. There are times that I will get a code and it is that related component. So let's pick on oxygen sensors for a minute. That is one of the, I'm gonna say, probably in the top five codes that you get. Or let's even talk about evaporative emissions leak. You know, if you leave your gas cap loose on a late model car, it'll turn the check engine light on. They always sell you an oxygen sensor that is typically poor or less quality than the one that you took off the vehicle. Or, you know, in the evaporative emissions, they sell you a fuel cap. I got two case studies. And for anybody that doesn't know what a case study is, essentially, this is my diagnostic testing that I developed or were, was taught from other instructors. I'm not going to say I reinvented the wheel by no means. I've had some amazing instructors over the years and a lot of what a1 custom car care is built on is a group of folks that have taken great instruction and then they they made it their own and then they ran and adapted it for our uh, style of automotive repair so that's a long-winded kind of explanation here about a couple of case studies and i wanted to share those with you this morning i haven't got like technically nerdy in a while and so the first one is one that I had to travel out of state for. We do some consulting at some other shops. And so um, the customer had come in. They had been to Big Box Parts Store X and got their quote-unquote free diagnostic scan, which is really the equivalent of going into Walmart, sitting in the high blood pressure testing machine, and then getting your results and then going and taking pills off of the, you know, over-the-counter to try and treat the high blood pressure, okay? It just doesn't work that way. If I go in there and I have inherently high blood pressure, I had better go get some additional testing done from a licensed physician, okay? So the difference here is anybody can play a mechanic or an automotive technician on TV that they want with no repercussions. And I'm not asking for more red tape here. I'm just stating a fact. At least when I go to the doctor, there is should be hopefully a standard of training and care that has been given. Now, you can get a doctor that got straight A's through med school, and you can get a doctor that got C's through med school, okay? 
Um, is there a place for both of them? Sure. But if I got problems or my family or loved ones have problems, I really want the doctor that got straight A's. I would assume the rest of you out there uh, feel the same way. Now, if I'm feeling a little crummy and, you know, who knows, I got something minor going on that I need a prescription for, you know, the doctor that got C's is probably going to be all right. So here's the difference, okay? So this first case study was a Toyota. It was a four liter. Uh, I think, believe it was an 07 model. It was a forerunner. Um Really nice little vehicle, been well taken care of. I could tell the customer really uh, took pride in the vehicle. But they showed up with some aftermarket sensors and they wanted us to install them or they wanted the shop that we're doing the consulting work to. So their policy, which is pretty much getting mainstream because of, and I cannot stress this enough, the quality of aftermarket parts and the parts that you can order on the internet that you know save you 20 bucks but end up being complete garbage, uh, one of our ads I remember years ago uh, that uh, we put together was, you know, where'd you get your parts from? Never going to work a stand. And I really feel like that's the world that we live in. There's no standard of quality. So not only if you misdiagnose it and you hang parts on a car, now I have the original problem that was misdiagnosed. Plus I have an inferior aftermarket part creating new and different issues. So when somebody does that, it makes my job 10 times harder, which is going to increase the cost, okay? So long-winded setup to this diagnostic. So I get down there. They had went ahead as a courtesy and just installed the aftermarket uh, cam sensors. That didn't fix the car. They were coached that, hey, aftermarket's garbage. So we were able to get some factory cam sensors and put in there, which... I strongly recommend out there on most make and model vehicles, if it's possible to get factory sensors, especially cam and crank sensors, go factory. Don't save 50 cents to create $700 worth of more work for somebody. So we get the sensors in there, and this is like, you know, I'm giving you maybe a couple of months back here, and that didn't take care of the problem either. So great technician down there, really does a good job, rings out the wiring, make sure it's good hooks a lab scope to it and sends me a waveform, which I, it's very difficult to diagnose a car through text message or over the phone, but I help where I can. And it got to the point where I could see there was a problem in the waveform, but without being hands-on, it just didn't work out for me. So I make arrangements and I detach from my normal day-to-day -day, uh, tasks and I drive down there. And within a couple hours, I was able to figure it out. But to simplify things a bit here, I was able to see everything the technician did was great. I was able to deploy a uh, bore scope, which if you ever watch like hostage negotiation movies, they drill the little bitty hole in the floor of the wall and they stick a camera in the room so they can see what's going on. That's essentially what a bore scope is. And so I was able to get it in there inside the engine without disassembling it and verify the pattern that I was seeing on the lab scope was was accurate, but it was because I had something mechanically wrong with the pickups on the phaser or the pulley on the end of the camshaft. So I look at the, the known good side. Thankfully, these are the same uh, bank one and bank two. So I look at it and it's significantly different than the side that I'm having problems with, which is bank one. So I go ahead and, and pull the valve cover off. We have authorization from the customer. So they were in the loop on all this. 
And I find, lo and behold, a brand new aftermarket phaser that is incorrect for this engine. There is where the, the forensic technician, if you will, that's doing the diagnostic process separates yourself from the folks that are quote unquote, as they say on their marquee, which just is absolutely false advertising, in my opinion, free diagnostic scan. You know, we'll tell you what's wrong with your car. Well, they did, and they sold cam sensors, and then they sold more cam sensors, and they would have kept selling everything under the sun. That evaluation equaled more than the actual testing time that I did to be correct, which is a significant difference than somebody that's practicing working on cars, which is what those free diagnostic scans are. What I believe had happened, we contacted the customer. They're like, well, we're not aware of somebody being in there. What I believe happened is this was the used car lot special or the flipper on Facebook or Craigslist, if that even exists anymore. They bought the car. They pulled it down. I really couldn't tell that they did shoddy workmanship, but they didn't know enough that when they put the wrong cam gear or phaser on there, that the pickup window, instead of having three small, medium, and large pickups on it, it had three equal small ones on there. So the cam sensor was never going to read correctly from the get-go. And then what I'm conjecting here that happened is then they listed it on whatever marketplace or took it to whatever dealer and they traded it in. Now the truck car ran fairly decent. It just had a check engine light all the time. So they, they doctored it up and they sent it down the road and these folks now have purchased a problem from somebody else. This was a pre-existing condition due to malpractice of automotive repair. But if you kept scanning the doggone check engine light and you kept throwing parts at it and not actually getting to the bottom of it, you wasted more money than if you'd have just paid somebody that knew what they were doing. So that's just kind of a, a real story, if you will. I got another one we'll get into a little later in the show. But Sarah and I need to step into a break. I'll, I'll put my soapbox away while we're on break and we'll be right back after this. Through Complete Car Care Solution, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back. You've got Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, did I lose you during that last segment? You Was really I did, like super nerded That's out okay, that because I know a lot of people out there love it when you get into your tech talk, so I'll let you do it. Well, I appreciate the grace there. I just think it's important, you know, I see these marquee signs out there that we, you know, diagnostic, blah, blah or testing, or whatever they got on their mm -hmm. marquee. I, there's one that I pass um, every couple of days on my way to work and they have that you know free 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 come yeah. and see us uh free is a four-letter word that starts with f and it just doesn't get you very far <laughs> i just don't get the value in that and i'm not saying that uh you know there aren't some things out there that would be nice not to have to pay for but when you go hucking all these parts and that's really what i guess i i get confused about because you know, it doesn't seem like customers get super upset or, you know, understand, you know, I put that part on there and it didn't fix it. Well, I would be upset about that, you know, and then by the time they come see us, they've thrown, you know, sometimes a significant amount of money at it. They've created more problems than they initially had. And I'm not picking on, you know, customers by in general, this could be other shops. And then what I'm seeing in the industry, I guess, is that the folks that can truly figure out your problems. I don't know if you've had any medical problems out there and I hate to pick on the medical field, but you know, it's like, Oh, do this. Oh, that didn't work. Here's a bill. Do this. That didn't work. Here's another bill. Hey, do this. 
uh, well, wait, now you need to, a referral to this other specialist. So there's, you got all my bills, but I didn't actually do anything for you. So let me go over to this other person. Oh, wait, first we're going to do a consultation. We're not actually going to help you. And then you're going to come back and we're going to try something before we actually try the thing that fixes it. And before you know it, you've seen three or four different, you know, physicians or, or experts before you finally, hopefully get to somebody that actually takes fixing you seriously. Okay. So that's, I guess, where I'm a little bit kind of salty about, if you will. Um, not all doctors are created equal. There's some wonderful doctors here in Springfield. Uh, Dr. Reeves, you are wonderful there at Cox. I hope you're still there. Uh, she helped my little girl quite a bit, so drastically in her debt. So I'm not picking on that. There, there are good doctors out there. There are good mechanics out there. There are good attorneys out there, etc. But not all of them are created equal. So now the older I get, the more I'm looking for value for my dollars, okay? And that's where a lot of this is coming from. And if I'm getting philosophical here, just bear with me a little bit, is that as, especially as things continue to go up in price, you know, when, when the money was flowing easy and fast and everybody was getting a free check every, was it every week or every month, however it worked out, you know, value is like, oh, I got another free check coming. That's not so bad. You know, if I got took on something, man, no big deal. But as inflation, in my opinion, is probably north of 30, maybe even north of 40% at this point, I want value for my money. And I'm, I'm sharing all this with you because I think that this is where a lot of people get really frustrated before they come see us, is that they've either done the free scan at big box parts store, blah, 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 bought all the parts and spent their time and their sweat equity and, and busted knuckles, etc., hucking inferior parts at cars, and then they come to us and I can see why they're frustrated. I try and make it as simple and easy as possible. But at the end of the day, automotive repair is kind of a difficult gig for the most part. So we do our very best to document digitally what we're finding out, send it to the customer, make sure you guys are a part of what's going on. And then I'm extremely ruthlessly picky on where the parts come from. And you can talk to any of my folks out there if one of them comes back and says well dormant is the only thing that's available and i'm speaking from personal experience dormant makes a lot of products and they make a few good ones but they make a lot of trash that absolutely makes a good technician look really bad really fast because oh you put the part on there and you know it didn't work out or it's worse or it's different and then the tech ends up having to redo it and it makes you look like you're incompetent and it has nothing to do with you it's that unfortunately a crappy part was installed so at a1 custom car care we have a standard of service and that's the value difference or the value exchange instead of hucking a bunch of inferior parts at the car how about we figure out what's actually wrong with it and we fix that and then we assess the total condition of the vehicle make sure you're in the loop on what it is is typically your second biggest asset that you will buy in your lifetime and try and keep it on the road for as long as possible so i'll give you another quick case study so sarah i appreciate the grace because i'm getting you're a good. little nerdo today had another one this has been a while back uh had been kind of you know disassembled before i got it it had quit while i was going down the road 
uh, not while I was going down the road, while the customer was going down the road. So they towed it in and it had some really, it was way disassembled. So that made it more difficult for me. Uh, it had some aftermarket remote start uh, work done on it. So I had to make heads or tails out of any aftermarket installation, anything, because they're more often than times poorly installed. And was able to make heads or tails out of that and then start running through it. I had uh, no crank. It would not turn over. And the difference on no start, and this is really important if you go into any shop, if you tell them it's a no start, the typical question from the advisor should be, does it crank? Does the engine go, or does it just do nothing? And so that would be a no crank, no start. Or if it does crank and make that starter noise, it would be a crank, no start. So that's very important information for the shop. But in this instance, it did not turn over. It did not crank. I did not have any check engine light. The right front marker lights and park or driving lights were on all the time. Uh, key on engine off, key out of the ignition, the lights were on all the time. And so I had some very, uh, no communication to the PCM. So the big box parts store with the free diagnostic code scan would not have helped them. We had to actually do some diagnostic testing or forensic testing, if you will. And with the no check engine light, that kind of tipped my hand over to, I needed to see if the PCM was online or operational because it would not communicate with the scan tool. So I went down to the PCM. I was able to pin out the PCM. And this is all time that takes with experienced hands and equipment, by the way. So I believe I had four or five powers. I verified all my powers. I loaded them with a fixed uh, amperage uh, incandescent or, or sealed beam light to make sure that they would flow current, not just only have surface voltage. So I ran through all those pretty quickly. This is quickly because I had some experience. This isn't necessarily something that I did quickly the first, you know, 40 times that I did it. This is muscle memory from running through and doing these the testing that's very important. So all that was good. I had two grounds to the PCM and you have to have power and ground on a 12 volt circuit to make sure that it is going to operate correctly. I went ahead and checked those with the sealed beam light. So I moved from my negative on the battery to the positive, and then I took my test lead and back probed uh, with a good uh, back probe device, not nothing crazy that's gonna harm any of the pin fitment. And then I found I didn't have any ground. Now, if I would artificially supply ground, my PCM would come online. So this is the difference of what a real technician does, okay? Everything that I've set up to this point is painting a picture, hopefully, that, hey, this is why those little 20 or 40 or $60 code readers won't fix a late model car nine out of 10 times. You might get super duper lucky and have a oxygen sensor heater circuit and throw an O2 in it and fix it. That does happen. But when that doesn't happen, what do you do now? Okay, so I'm laying out where you actually go to figure out what's going on with this. So I figured out that both pins, there's dual connectors, pin 41, they're black with a white tracer, didn't have ground. If I artificially supplied it, my PCM came back online. So now I'm going downstream here. So just stick with me just a little while longer and then we'll talk about some uh, automotive political news that's out there in the world. 
But I was able to figure out that through the wiring diagrams, that ground was the same ground and it went to the passenger side rear bell housing bolt. And once I knew where it was, it was G103, just in case anybody's out there keeping track. I got my little step stool. I reached up there. I was able to see the top of the wire and it went down. I reached back there and grabbed a hold of it and it was no longer attached to anything. So I found my open circuit. I was able to repair this car with minimal parts, got it fired up, got everything reassembled, uh, you know, went through it and the vehicle's running great. So it was a minimal repair to get this vehicle going where I'm sure a lot of other shops would hucked a lot of parts at it before they found a wiring problem, okay? The automotive industry is changing so much. If you can't do electrical, network communication, et cetera, et cetera, which those are all questions before I hire or we grow a new technician that this is what the industry is going to, by the way, that you had better be able to learn in order to be a successful technician in this industry. So I fixed these folks' vehicle, didn't have any collateral parts thrown at it. They're back running and doing everything they're supposed to as well as I figured out why the wire broke. So, you know, if you ever visit with me in person or I happen to be one of the people taking care of your vehicle or involved in it, I ask why all day long, not just about cars, everything. Like I want to know why people tick, why people say the things that they do, why they have the opinions, why they fill in the blanks, etc. And in this instance, this wire broke because it had been saturated with oil because they had an oil leak back there for an extended period of time. And it had ruined some of the insulation. And then over, you know, I forget, it was an 04 model. So, you know, 04 uh, to 14, 14 to 24. So, I mean, we got some age on this vehicle, right? Still a great running vehicle. I would take this vehicle over a new one any day of the week, by the way. It was built to a higher standard of, of quality control, in my opinion. But 20 years, it had some oil leakage on that. It rotted the insulation away, and then it allowed the vibration of daily use and eventually broke off the end of the wire. So what did I do? Could I have redone everything, jacked it up, spent a bunch of time and effort that the customer would have been able to be billed for, repairing the wire and putting it back to the uh, bolt on the transmission, etc.? I could have done it that way, and that would have been a very acceptable repair. But just to keep costs down for this customer, I was able to get to a good clean area, run it over to a good known additional ground that was easily accessible. So God forbid they ever have problems in the future, we'll be able to take care of it much easier and quicker. And they're back out on the road. You need to have a relationship with whoever's doing your automotive repair, and they need to take automotive repair seriously. But that's the end of my... Uh, case studies for the week, I suppose. You're listening to Springfield's Talk 1041 KSGF. Sarah and I will be right back after the break. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right, welcome back. We've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, I'm going to tell on you. You had a nice yawn there. Am I boring you today? No, no. Uh, that's what I'm, I'm going to take from I'm that. I'm tired. I was boring you it's with all my... It's been a long week. My tech, it has been a long week. <laughs> I feel like the, uh, in the in the children's fable, is it the, the ant that builds up the stockpile through summer to get ready, ready for winter? Is that is that the old... Do you know what fable I'm talking about? I, you know what? I don't. So I forget which it is. I think it's the grasshopper and the ant. 
So the ant is diligent and works and works and works and works all summer, building this stockpile of, you know, supplies to get through the winter. And the grasshopper is, you know, happy-go-lucky and jumping around, having a good old time, not putting up anything. And then when it gets cold outside and food is not abundant at that point in time, the grasshopper has to come to the ant and be like, hey, I'm hungry. I need shelter, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like the ant this year is that I have been prepping and prepping and prepping and prepping and prepping uh, to make sure that I'm ready for this winter. And I feel like my time is getting short. Am I making any sense? You know, or is my tinfoil hat showing? So halfway through that, I got really <laughs> excited because you know what I just realized? What's that? Today is the first <gasps> day of fall. No way. Yes. Dun, dun, dun. It feels like fall. I forgot all about it. I can't believe it. I'm such a fall person. I'm excited for fall, honestly. I love summer. Don't get me wrong. But man, this summer... It was hot. It was brutal. Oh, man. We, I think it said like 120 in the shop on, <sighs> on a certain Monday, I remember. Goodness. And that's probably one of the hotter days that I can remember in automotive repair um, that uh, I was able to make it through. And thankfully, the guys were tough and, and stuck with it and got folks' cars taken care of. But first day of fall, Sarah. Well, man, there has been a lot of automotive news that we haven't hit on yes. yet. Lots of gas prices. Of course, one thing that is really dominating kind of the headlines is automotive strike. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, ha- have you heard the uh, raise that they're asking for? I have. I, if I remember right, so correct me if I'm wrong, was it like a 40 plus percent raise? I believe so. And don't get me wrong. I would love a 40 percent raise, honestly. It just, that's not feasible in my opinion. And I think that that is what they call the key performance indicators or whatever that, um, you know, when I talk and you and I've talked quite a bit that I personally think inflation, you know, whatever the, their numbers, their fake numbers are, you know, was like 12%. It's got to be north of 30 or 40% right now. And it just drives me crazy that things, you know, people that work hard and have made a good living most of their life, that all got absorbed with inflation. You basically, you know, took a giant hit here and it really didn't buy you anything extra right there. So I see where they're coming from on the 40% or 40, I think it was 46, 43%. It was a significant increase, but let's pretend for a minute that they do that. Where do you think that that money's going to come from? They're going to jack the price of the cars up and you and I are going to pay for that big fat increase. And so instead of a $80,000 pickup, it's going to be, I don't know, let's say 100%. Uh, let's say it's a $100,000 uh, pickup just for simple math. We do a 40% increase. That's a $140,000 pickup right now. They are not going to be able to absorb that. And the only way that that is going to get paid for is by the consumer. So when I sit here and I say, oh, I'd love a 40% raise, I'm I'm a little bit tongue in cheek there, by the way, because I don't care what business you're in, that has to be covered. You know, you can't have an insolvent business unless you're big government, by the way, and you can just print money. Uh, Then you can have insolvent business and just print extra money to cover the the cost or just run the debt to, I don't know, I need to look up and see what the national debt is, but, you know, multiple trillions of dollars and going up by the billions every day. That is, I think that's really the problem with what it is that we've got going on right now is nobody's balancing their, their personal checkbook figuratively here. I'm talking about like personal checkbook at big government. 
And if something happens, I'm assuming that these auto manufacturers think that big government's just going to bail them out again. Well, you and I are the ones paying for all that. And I really miss having a businessman that understood that you can't write checks that you're behind can't cover uh, because eventually you go bankrupt. Okay. So you still got to have a good head of business. So at a 40, whatever plus percent increase for these United auto workers, I don't want them out of work. I need them working to be honest. I, you know, I use some of the parts that they manufacture, etc. I obviously fix a lot of the cars that they build. That's uh, just not going to work. And so for my money and what I'm doing personally, and what a lot of our customers are doing is they're investing in the vehicles that they've got. So I think I talked about that uh, Suburban that I worked on a while back. Um, You know, that thing had 200,000 miles on it. It needed some love, but there's a lot of good years left in those models. So if you are out there and you've got a vehicle, probably let's go, let's, let's say late 90s on up to probably 2012 to 2015. Somewhere in there, obviously, they took the bailout and some of the quality went way down on some of these manufacturers. But you look at the vehicles made from 2000 to 2012. The technology that's in those vehicles, the training that's out there, the part availability for the most part that's out there, I would do a lot of big repairs personally and have, and I can soapbox you all day long on that if you want, on keeping those vehicles going for another 10 15 plus years because they are more reliable and dependable than a vehicle that's built after 2015 in my professional experience. Do I like all the bells and whistles that started coming out on some of the late model vehicles? Sure. I was watching some training actually last night while I was going to bed on some diagnostic strategies for a 2021 F-150 that he was diagnosing the massaging seats. I always say that word wrong. And is that a cool thing? Would I like to have my back and, you know, massage the whole time I'm driving? Heck yeah. I can't be the only one out there that wouldn't take that. But the repair costs to fix the massaging seats are very expensive. The reliability of these new vehicles is going down right now. And you're seeing those vehicles go offline for very small problems. So that same truck that was the case study I taught, I was telling you about with the massaging seats problem, it had been towed in two weeks before, and it was a 2021, by the way, that it wouldn't start, and it would do some weird, erroneous electrical problems. Anybody out there want to take a guess? Because I would have never guessed what was wrong with this. They give you the diagnostic process, and then they show you the confirmed fix repair. Water intrusion had gotten into the taillights and had shorted out the lane departure model uh, module, and it had taken the network offline so the truck wouldn't run because it needed taillights. Sarah, I know I've monopolized so much of this show today. You want to take a gander of what the taillights cost for that 2021 F-150? Probably like something ridiculous, like five thousand dollars. Five thousand bucks. Oh. Were you in that training last night? <laughs> I was not. It was five thousand bucks. For taillights to fix your 2021 no start. How would you like to be the customer that paid for that truck? And the mechanic or the service advisor called you and said, hey, funny story. Your no start is your taillights. It's 5,000 bucks. I would just be floored. Yeah. I would be floored. 
And that's a real deal out there. This is uh, apparently a known problem, by the way. And so when I talk about new technologies or new car lines or new uh, components on a vehicle, you're the one testing those components out at your expense most of the time, by the way. So that's why I like those vehicles from, you know, late 90s, early 2000s to 2012, 2015 tops. But Sarah and I need to take one more break. You're listening to Springfield's Talk 1041 KSGF. We'll be right back in a minute. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back. You got Sarah Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, what do you want to talk about? Well, I've monopolized that's everything okay. today. Real quick. So we were talking about the the strike, the United Auto Workers yes. strike. Yes, yes, uh, yes, so yes. I, I pulled up this article. Uh, I'm not going to read through the entire thing, but I just, we I, well, time. I'm not going to read through it. <laughs> I'm not going to bore everybody with the details here, but I will uh, read the headline here. Okay. General Motors lays off 2,000 workers at a Kansas assembly plant after workers at facility in Detroit went on strike because, quote, there is no work. Mm. So, and one other thing that I wanted to add, because you were talking about... I hate to hear that. I know, and it's just kind of an interesting time to do that amid all of the the strikes that are happening. Uh, But one other thing that I wanted to mention, if I can find it really quick, we were talking about pay raises and just Mm -hmm. different things that they were demanding. So they are demanding a 40% Mm -hmm. pay raise for 146,000 members across the United States over four years. And they're also wanting a four-day work week. Oh. Um, Yeah. Mm. So that's what they're wanting. So more money, work less. Yes. Hmm. Well, that works out for somebody, I suppose. I don't know if it does for, you know, the people that need those goods. You know, we call all the time, and it's it's an absolute, how do I want to put it, um, it's cluster. A, a cluster. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> to get good quality parts in a timely manner. I mean, there's times I can remember a Ford pickup that we had for probably three months that I was waiting on a PCM, which is a powertrain control module, the computer, the brain, whatever you want to call it, uh, because they just were, n- uh, you know, non-existent. You couldn't get one. You couldn't get one for love nor money. And so that truck just sat there disabled. Um, that was due to somebody trying some aftermarket programming, by the way. So be careful what you order off the internet and plug into your fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollar vehicle, because sometimes it'll scramble things that I can't fix without replacing the module altogether. So I know we got a little time. What we else do. We got over there. So I've got a couple different things. I'll okay. let you pick the topic. Do you want to talk about recalls or do you want to talk about gas prices? Oh, you know, I bet you could pick what I want to pick. I, I want to talk about gas prices. So I just, I'm an angry old man. <laughs> I got a press release. I get press releases like once a month mm-hmm. from AAA. One thing that they focus on is, of course, gas prices. Yep. So this is what they have reported for this week. Mm-hmm. Pump prices decline. Fluctuation remains possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I am not really seeing a difference at the the pump. I mean, maybe a couple of cents. Yeah. But we had a jump. It was either last week or the week before. Mm-hmm. And it was, what, 16, oh, yeah. 18 cents? Significant. And Springfield was, in fact, one of the highest cities in the entire state of oh Missouri for gas prices. I believe it. It is getting brutal out there. So the, this is what it says. The statewide gas price average in Missouri is $3.65 mm. for a gallon of regular unleaded fuel, according to the AAA of Missouri Weekend Gas Watch. That price is $0.04 cents less compared to this day last week and is $0.20 cents more per gallon compared to this day 
last year. Of the major metropolitan areas surveyed in Missouri, drivers in Jefferson City are paying the most on price with $3.74, while drivers in Cape Girardeau are paying at least $3.39 per gallon. Now, the national average price for a gallon of regular unleaded is $3.87, which is one cent more compared to this day last week and 19 cents more than the price per gallon at the same time last year. Drivers in Missouri saw a slight decline in pump prices this week, but the potential for continued fluctuation remains. The main factor market analysis continue to watch is crude oil prices, which I know this is something mm-hmm. that, that we have talked about in the past. Yeah. It's hovering around $90 per barrel. I which believe we're going to see over 100 I shortly. I don't doubt it. And of course, they mentioned that that is the highest on uh, the highest of this year. Mm-hmm. Despite the possibility of price fluctuations, AAA says uh, there is good news for drivers is that the annual transition to less expensive winter blend may soon take full effect. Hmm. That sounds like some smoke and mirrors to me, (laughs) which I hate to say that. Uh, You know, when you talk that it's 30 percent or 30 cents, 20 cents, whatever difference, I can go back to, you know, three years ago. It was like a dollar twenty a gallon. I remember that. And I never thought I would see that again. And maybe I'm having that same thought now. But whether you you like the guy or you don't, at least we had decent fuel prices under that presidency. Well, and I do know, and I should probably not talk about this without having my facts in front of me. But I know that the Biden administration has rolled out multiple uh, regulations Mm -hmm. over the last like two or three weeks where he has made it more difficult to Mm -hmm. drill, especially in areas of Alaska. And I also believe that there was one in Texas as well. But, you know, one thing that always drives me nuts about the media Mm -hmm. and about writing news stories is the fact that they're like, now pump prices have declined, but it's four cents. Yeah. This time last year, it's 28 cents more. Yeah, they so, forget that. Yes, and I'm like, okay, well, you put that in the body of the story, but y- you try to spin it to make it a, a positive mm-hmm. thing. Four cents does absolutely right. nothing for me. What can you buy for Nothing. four cents. Nothing. I'm Not serious. even a piece if, of gum anymore. If, if, if I was able to buy something with four cents, mm-hmm. then yes, this would matter to yeah. me. But it doesn't. Uh, no, and... And we're talking dollars difference yes. in, in a relatively short amount of time. Exactly. And you're exactly right. They're driving the price to the moon. They're force feeding the uh, electric vehicle thing down everybody's throat. When the technology is there, the infrastructure is the technology is not there. The infrastructure is not there. Um, even the governor of I believe it was Georgia. If I'm wrong, somebody correct me declared a state of emergency because of inflation and they suspended the state gas tax yes you are correct so at least somebody at a local level over there did something real because the state tax i'm not sure what it is here in missouri but it's significant it's probably 38 cents 40 cents somewhere around there that's a big deal i don't know what it is in georgia so if you guys want to message us in and let us know that's cool But the fact that at least somebody at a local level still was thinking about their people. Now, do I want good roads and I want good bridges? Yes. But where in the world is the rest of this money going to? It's not roads and bridges, this extra two bucks a gallon that we're forking out. It is going to big oil, which they need to make a profit too. But a lot of it's probably going to Saudi Arabia. 
So whenever you were talking about EVs, it reminded me of a story that I read a week or two ago that I didn't share on air, which I wish I would have then, but it cracks me up and I'm sad that we don't have enough time to go through all of it. So the the Secretary of Energy, Jennifer Granholm, she decided that she's been touting electric vehicles. And so they decided that they were going to do a uh, like a four day all electric vehicle road trip over the summer. How'd that work out for us? So let me tell you, it was a hot mess. And she actually (laughs) got the cops called on her at one point. So here's what happened. So she she was going from uh, someplace on uh, the East Coast. And I can't remember if it was Tennessee or North Carolina, Mm -hmm. Georgia. We were talking about Georgia. And that's what reminded me of this story. Uh, So anyway, she was going on this road trip and she had a couple of different people with gas vehicles following behind (laughs) her. Safety net. One thing that they found out was that there is a lot of unreliable electric vehicle charging stations, and there are few and far between. Uh And so not only would they have to wait, you know, 10, 15, 20, 40 minutes to have their electric vehicle charged, but uh, sometimes they would have to wait for a person to get done charging Mm -hmm. their vehicle. So then they had to attack on another, you know, 20 or 40 minutes. And uh, anyway, so what she went ahead and did was she had her staffers scout ahead Mm -hmm. and they would block off EV charging stations (laughs) with the gas powered vehicle. (laughs) Well, they did this somewhere, like I said, in Tennessee or North Carolina, uh-huh. somewhere in, in that area. And um, there was a family and they had like a brand new newborn baby. And the area that they were in, there was a, an excessive heat warning mm-hmm. and their vehicle was about to die. And here was this staffer that was blocking the electric vehicle charging station. And so the family, they got out. They had an interaction with the staffer yeah. like, hey, can you move the car yeah and they wouldn't do it because they were saving this charging station for the energy secretary Mm -hmm. so anyways they called the police good they called the police they're like look we've got a baby like a screaming newborn baby like we can't leave it out here in the heat you were like causing us to almost have to abandon our vehicle like you gotta go so i can't remember what the police ended up doing but i mean that just goes to show you you talk about karma (laughs) I love it when karma steps up and reality just smacks somebody in the face who is making legislation or is, you know, in charge, mm-hmm. but yet has not had any boots on the ground of real real world experience. And I'm just kind of curious what her, since she's had this experience, yeah. what is her tone going to be like you now? You think we could reach out and get her on the show as a guest? Oh, I'm sure she would reply <laughs> to us instantly. <laughs> oh, please do. I would love for that. This could be I a would, big well, you know what? story. I think it would be interesting to see what her statement is. Uh-huh. Well, you know, we are still committed to infrastructure for electric vehicles or, you know, whatever. It'd be something like that. She would not want to admit defeat because she's been pushing it. The the lunacy, uh, you know, I can in my my mind envision like her next road trip. She's got a pickup with a big gas or diesel generator Mm -hmm. and they run an extension cord and they drive down the interstate (laughs) together. Like, this is what's going on in my mind. It's like, this is just absurdity. I know. You know, you have a fleet of gas-powered vehicles to escort the non-reliable EV vehicle out there. And I'm not hating on EVs, man. So 
it just I'm hating on the force feeding of EVs and trying to get rid of our internal combustion engines because I do emissions testing and they're not that pollute uh, pollutant. Yeah. So. So believe it or not, we are out of show. If you're out there in Radio Land, you have a question or a comment for us, feel free to text us on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743, or you can reach out to us on social media at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe out there. Bye.